We're here to talk about mothers. But we're also here to talk about that aspect of God, which is mother. And to those who have been very biblically bound to the he's that are written over and over in the Bible, please know that, one, there's not a neuter um, pronoun in Hebrew. Um, and so the he was written, but many of the first names for God that the Jews used over and over again in the Old Testament were feminine names. El Shaddai means the breasted one. It means the one from whom we get our nurture. The Shekinah is the female aspect of God. God is not gendered. And yet what we know is there are aspects of God which are what we call the feminine aspects, and there are those that we call the masculine aspects, and neither is more important than the other. But balance is what is required, and for many, many eons, our culture has been a little bit out of balance. Or a lot. <laughs> so... Next month, um, you'll see in our newsletter, Lynn Ellis wrote a really beautiful article about the, ori the origins of Mother's Day, which will um, be in June's newsletter. He got it in too late for the May one, but it's still very interesting. And it was started, I think, during World War I, when a lot of mothers got together and said, you know, if the mothers were in charge, we would not be sending all these boys to their death over something that no one really understands why it's even important. And um, that was the beginning of Mother's Day. It wasn't declared an official holiday until some time after that, but that was the beginning of it. And so when we talk about divine mother, when we talk about the feminine aspect of, aspect of God, we're talking about a fierce love as the love that will not allow you to safely ever get between a bear and her cubs. You know, bears will usually leave you alone in the weird wilderness. They don't really want to mess with you unless in some way you're between them and their cubs. And so can you believe that God fiercely loves you so much that God would never let anything get between you and that love? That is the Divine Mother. That is the Divine Mother. In the feminine aspect of God, there is the receptive. There is the listening. There is the taking in before the action of giving out. There is the receptive before the decision, which is a masculine aspect. And nurturing Obviously, all of the nurturance that we get, and men nurture people. That's why I said, have you mothered someone? If you are a man and you have a dog or a cat, I bet you've mothered someone, whether you ever had a child in your life or not. It's about sharing your nurturing. It's about caring. It's not about boy or girl. It's about nurture. And with nurture comes responsibility, which becomes the more masculine side of nurture. The Divine Mother is about intuition, is about what we already know in our guts that was given to us on the day we were born, 
that is in our souls and in our bodies inextricably, where we, if we learn to listen to it, we know instinctively, intuitively, what is right to do, what is good for us and what is not good for us. And then the masculine end of that is the head knowledge that we acquire, the learning that we acquire. And there's nothing wrong with learning. Learning is good. Knowing is good. As long as we don't let what we learn interfere with what we already know. Again, it's about balance. It's about balance. Divine Mother is about compassion. About caring so much about something that it would do anything to, about pain, that it would do anything to alleviate it. That's the dictionary definition of compassion, is to feel another's pain so much that you want, that you desire strongly to alleviate it. And God has that compassion for us, and we are given the ability to have that compassion for others when we tap into that feminine side. And then the masculine end of that is the action that we take because of our compassion. Divine Mother is about gentleness, tenderness. Again, that allowing, instead of doing, the allowing. Have you ever been at a time in your life where you realized you were trying so hard that you had forgot to just sit back and allow? things to be as they are. And if you never allow things to be as they are, then you might never get any proof that God has it. You're already being taken care of. It doesn't mean that no action is required, but it means first you have to listen and take it in and accept and allow God to be God. Love to be love in you. And then, and then you can take an action. The divine feminine has a lot to do with the details, and the divine masculine is more about the great big picture. I see that played out in my household every day. <laughs> I've got the big picture guy, got the de detail girl. I can get so lost in the details that I might forget the big picture. He can be so into the big picture that he does not take care of any details. Balance is what is needed. And if you can't find balance within yourself, you might as well find somebody to help balance you. <laughs> And we tend to do that. So that's Divine Mother. Divine Mother is also Mother Nature. What all of the indigenous religions have all, have all known is that we do not live on this planet. We are not separate from this planet. We are of this planet. Our good is inextricably tied to the good of the whole earth. And the earth is constantly giving to us. It's constantly caring for us. Mother Nature gives us sustenance for our bodies, food, air, water. We cannot live without those. And that is what the earth, Mother Earth, provides to us, Amma Devi. Mother Nature also gives us food for our senses, food for our eyes, food for our ears. Look out at the trees, listen to the birds. Food for our taste, for our ability to touch, to feel pain and pleasure and temperature, soft and hard and in between. All of those are gifts to our senses from Mother Nature. 
Also, Mother Nature nurtures our soul with beauty. And I, you've heard the phrase over and over probably, garbage in, garbage out. I believe that. I also believe beauty in, beauty out. You want to behave more, more in, in alignment with beauty in your life? Expose yourself to beauty. Find beauty. Appreciate beauty. Don't just walk by it and ignore it. Take it in. Take in beauty wherever you find it. And then beauty in, beauty out. Because what happens when you take in the beauty that's already there for you, it brings ins inspiration. It brings restoration. It can heal what ails you. It can bring um, recreation, recreation. That's what it means to get renewed. If you're going to be recreated, if you're going to go out and have a, have a time of recreation, that is a time for you to renew your spirit and renew your body as well. Mother Nature also gives us lessons and examples in, our, in the seasons that we cannot hold on to. Oh, I like summer best, so I'm just holding on to summer, and I'll just be miserable all the other three seasons. Or like me, I'm holding on to it being cool and getting resentful. I live in Texas, y'all, and I'm resentful when I'm hot. Think about that. Something I'm working on. D you know, it doesn't work very well to be resentful when you're hot if you live in Texas. Because <laughs> I can be hot in December in Texas. But those are the things that we can notice about ourselves and begin to work on, begin to practice doing something different. I just spent the last two weeks in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I was in Scotland with my husband and with some friends, and um, it was beautiful. And the air was so breathable. It was, it was wet, it rained almost every day, but it was a cool, it was a cool rain. And I could look up and see barely be able to see the treetops of the trees that inhabit that place. I could look across and see the mountains shrouded in mist. And then I got off the airplane at DFW on Friday. <laughs> and we drove home on 121, 183, 121. And I went, okay, there is beauty here. There is beauty here. There is beauty here because my job is not to make myself go to a beautiful place. My job is to find the beauty where I am. Some places it's easier to do than others, for sure. But I was immediately grateful that we didn't miss all the wildflowers. The blue bonnets are gone, but the Indian paintbrushes and black-eyed Susans are all out there on the side of the road. Beauty in. And then I want to talk about the gifts of my mother because not all of us had nurturing mothers. And even the ones of us who did, I would venture to say they weren't nurturing all the time. And what I have learned is that everything from my mother was a gift, whether it hurt or whether it helped. Just as Divine Mother, there is pain, there are seasons. There is balance to be sought. And so one of the gifts of my mother is that she gave me a foundation of love. I did, when I was very small, before the alcoholism took over in my household, before everybody kind of went crazy, when I was very small, I knew I was loved. I was given up for adoption by my birth mother, and I never was made to feel abandoned. I was always made to feel chosen. 
And I carry that with me. I carry that with me. And it made it really hard when things in my family started to fall apart. And yet it gave me a foundation that there is, there's got to be something more. I know I felt it once. I've got to find my way back to it. And there were some years of hell in there, but I found my way back to it. I never let go of it completely. So one of the gifts of my mother is that um, she taught me that God is everywhere, that there is nowhere that God is not. Now, the other side of that is she brought me up in a very fundamentalist church where I was terrified of going to hell every minute. <laughs> one of the gifts of my mother, which I did not like, in which I've taken a long time to recover from is, um, and I've shared this story with some of you before, but I was outside in a tree, because that's what I always did as a kid. I climbed trees. And my brother started throwing rocks at me. And you know, when you're in a tree, you can't really run away. The only way I could get down was to run toward him. And he had a handful of rocks. And finally, I was screaming, and no one heard me. So I jumped down and ran in the house. And I told my mother, Bobby's throwing rocks at me. I hate him. And my mother's response to that was not, Bobby quit throwing rocks at your sister, you might hurt her. That was never said. What was said was, oh, Melinda, you can't hate your brother. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've killed him in your heart. Now that set me up to not allow myself to get angry or stand up for myself for the next mm, 20 something years at least. And it's been a gradual process of getting over that and be, since then. But it still was a gift because I have found my way out of it. And I had to dig really deep in order to find my way out of it. I had to develop some practices that would allow me to do that. And that is a gift, y'all. That is a gift. My mother taught me to be a smart aleck. Even though when I was, she smacked me. Still, it was one of the best things about our relationship at the end when she was in dementia is that we would just be really smart aleck with each other. Um, and it was fun. And it was fun. A little bit of humor in a horrible, horrible time, a horrible disease. Um, my mother taught me that children should be protected. When we lived in a place where there was not a crosswalk or a crossing guard, for where we walked to school, she went to the city council and made sure they put in a crosswalk and we had a crossing guard there. My brother was so embarrassed. But I felt like, hey, there's this nice lady that holds up the sign when we cross the road now. It was a good thing. My mother taught me that. And yet, in other ways, in my own household, she did not protect me. She did not protect me from the violence of my brother. She did not protect me from the alcoholic behaviors of my father. One of the things my mother um, taught me, which she was heard to say over and over and over again with four adopted children, well, I guess I don't get the Mother of the Year award. <laughs> again. There's a little bit of self-forgiveness in that. There's a lot of, I'm doing the best I can, and I admit, it's not always that good. And then I was able to say, well, I guess I don't get the Mother of the Year award when I inevitably messed up in parenting my child, even though I read all the books and was going to do it perfectly. Yeah. My mother taught me to wash my hands 
I think one of the reasons we made it through COVID is because I was already a hand washer and I made Bob washes constantly. Who knows? Um, my mother taught me that looks were not important. That was not a value in our house. Being pretty was not a value. And in a way that was hard because I never felt pretty and I didn't have anybody to guide me in how to feel pretty. I didn't have anybody that knew about acne medicine to get me through my terrible teenage years. I didn't have anybody to say, there are certain things you can wear that will look good on you, but it's not that. <laughs> and yet, I never learned in any way to trade on my looks for my good. I learned to trust other things in myself. I learned to trust my intelligence. I learned to trust my conscience. My mother named my conscience for me very early on when I was in preschool. The teacher called me up to her desk one day and I was like, I'm really special. She's never called me up to her desk before. And she showed me this ring and she said, Melinda, this was found in the bathroom. Is this your ring? And I said, yes because she made me feel special, but it wasn't my ring. And I went home and I cried and cried and I told my mom what I had done. And she said, you know, it's okay. That's your conscience telling you that you did something wrong. And when your conscience tells you you've done something wrong, you can go apologize and make it right. And I went back to my teacher the next day and I said, my conscience told me to tell you. <laughs> That this is not my ring and I don't know why I said it was and I'm sorry and it was all okay I mean I had a conscience already but she named it for me it was helpful it was helpful today I still lean on that because I cannot lean on being perfect I can certainly lean on being able to make amends being able to recognize when I've done something hopefully that harms another and then be able to make some amends for that and having a conscience taught me to trust myself, to know when something was good and when it wasn't. Even though a lot of confusing things happened in between with the alcoholism in my household where, you know, you look up at the sky every day and go, that's blue. And other people tell you, no, it's purple. No, it's gray. No, it's green. No, it's every other color. You can learn to sort of like, um, okay, I think it's blue, but I'm just not going to say anything anymore. Keep it to myself. And yet there was that within me that knew the sky was blue and that someday I would find a way to assert that truth. So you see, there are all these things that feel like gifts and are wonderful and that don't feel like gifts and are potentially wonderful if you choose to make them so. And we all have that choice. That's our choice at every moment, fear or love. Our choice to be angry and resentful or to allow love into the situation. Always, always, no matter how abused you've been, you can continue to feel abused for the rest of your life or you can say, what did I get out of that? Or what can I get out of that? How can I stand up in who I am in spite of that? Because when you do something despite something, you feel so strong once you do it. So we all have gifts from our mothers. I urge you to think about what the gifts from your mother were, whether they felt good at the time or not. The other thing that we are able to do 
is to start to pay attention to the ways that we weren't mothered, that we weren't nurtured, that we didn't get what we needed, and look out into the world and find that there are other people who fill those places. I had teachers who stepped in and told me I was special. I had friends of my parents who saw what was going on in the household and at least would come and give me a hug, even though they never admitted it to me. Um, I had those things. Um, I had a great, I had two great mentors for motherhood that were just brilliant women who had raised children who were not hatchet murderers. And so I trusted them when they gave me advice and they gave me really, really good advice. I had um, a best friend who was a male who was one of the most nurturing people I've ever known in my life. I lost him in 2010, but the love he gave me is not gone. It's not gone. And the love that he evoked in me is not gone either. And I will tell you that in my marriage now, Bob, who is not very motherly, if you look at him, um, mothers me in that he knew that I was never bought clothes or shoes when I was little, and I wore shoes that were the wrong size and I got made fun of in school. And I tell you what, if I see a pair of shoes and go, oh, those are pretty, he will go, why don't you buy them? So other people will go like, the, you know, the husbands are complaining about the money they're spending. That has never been true here, even when we didn't have any money. Why don't you buy it? And I'd go, the reason I don't buy it is because we don't have the money to do it, but thank you for the thought. Anyway, I'm paying attention to details here. <laughs> but still, how healing that is that someone said, I don't like it that you weren't treated well, and I'm going to make sure that you have the, op the option to treat yourself well now, and I'm going to support you in that. Um, so we look around and we find who else can mother us in our lives, but in the end, it is our job to find the places where we were not mothered and mother ourselves. Because our access to divine mother, our access to God is eternal and constant. There is a place within you where the divine spark lives and you are never, ever, ever, ever alone. And when you learn to call on that, to call on that connection, and to start to provide for yourself the things that you feel like you don't have enough of. There are other people who will come in to help you feel those, fill those needs, but it's not their responsibility. You are your responsibility, and you can find ways. And sometimes that way means reaching out. Sometimes you can't do it by yourself and no one shows up, so you reach out. That is taking responsibility for getting your needs met. Places where we feel abandoned or attacked or ignored or unhealthily hovered over and focused on, these are the places where we can learn how to mother ourselves, how to exert our independence, how to give ourselves permission to do what we know is right for us, how to protect ourselves in situations where we might be abandoned and, and attacked, how to show up when we felt ignored, how to say, I am here to stand up and hold our heads up high. No one can hold your head up high. Only you can. We get to take responsibility for our self-talk. How do you talk to yourself? If you're not feeling very good about yourself, listen not to what, oh, my mother said this over and over and over. Your mother is not here right now. Who is saying it to you now? 
And then you take responsibility for, I will not allow you to talk that way to me anymore, Melinda. And sometimes I'm successful, <laughs> but those voices still come up. And so I make a practice of noticing them and then taking personal responsibility. You know, and that's really what the message of Jesus was. That's what the message of Buddha was. That's what the message of all religions is underneath all of the mythology and the stories is that you have the capacity to love and have compassion. And it is that that is your shining light. And it doesn't come from anyone else. It comes from your connection to what is divine, from who you are, who you were created to be. And then we can begin to take action. We can learn to comfort ourselves. We can learn to be our own blessing. We can, and we can learn to encourage ourselves and support ourselves when we know times are tough. We can learn to rest. We can learn to take in beauty. We can learn to reach out. We can learn to go within. We can learn to rise when it's time to rise, and we can learn to lie down when it's time to lie down. We can learn, in short, to love ourselves without condition, which doesn't mean giving ourselves permission to be less than our best selves, but it does mean understanding that there is no perfection while we're on earth in these bodies. And so we forgive and we forgive and we forgive again, and we learn every time we do. That is the message of the Divine Mother. You have everything you need within you right now. Your connection to all that is. Happy Mother's Day. I'm just going to take that thought into meditation for a few minutes. So if you would just allow yourself to, here's that feminine, allowing to just relax, to just breathe. To allow yourself not to judge anything. If you have a thought, notice it and let it go. If you have a pain, you can focus on it in your mind, that part of your body or your heart that is hurting, and just simply say, I care. Give it compassion. And as you breathe, you can picture that. This breath is the very breath of life being given to you by Mother Earth because you are inextricably bound to the good of the whole. And your gift is that every moment of love that you allow is a moment of healing the whole. For it is love and only love that will ever heal us, that can ever heal us. 
And so we rest in this love. And when we forget how loved we are, we can remind ourselves. And that's what spiritual practice is. It's not called spiritual perfection. It's called spiritual practice. Practice at it and you'll get better at it. Practice noticing when you have some need in you that is not being met. And rather than stuff it down or judge it, acknowledge it. Oh, that, hurt, that place hurts. And give it compassion. Give it love. Ask your higher power how to heal. What is needed in this moment? And then learn to give yourself whatever the answer is. what we practice, we get better and better at. And so again, I invite you to just breathe in love. And know that as you breathe in that love, it is not separate from you. You are love breathing love. In this process of being human, of forgetting and remembering again. And whenever you are able to remind yourself that love is yours, then you become someone who can help others remember the love that is theirs. And when the wars within ourselves cease, peace reigns. And when the wars between ourselves and others with whom we are in relationship begin to cease, then peace in our relationship lives and thrives. when when our relationships are loving, when we are forgiving, when we are allowing, when we are making space, when we are remembering who we are and reminding others of their preciousness, then the wars in the world will cease. There is no war that will end all wars. but there is love that will bring all peace. We claim that love now. And say thank you. Thank you, God. And amen.